Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Uh, that was beautiful, guys. Thank you for what you've brought this morning. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. We've been going through the book of Hebrews for the past three weeks in this series on how faith grows. So if you're wondering how faith grows, I encourage you to go back if you're online and it's the first week to uh, go through our prior messages, but today we're going to talk about faith as commitment. And it says in Hebrews 11.8, and it, it goes to one of the great characters of Hebrews, Abraham, it says, uh, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. This is verse 16. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, there is an exercise that has been banned or should be banned from every youth camp church exercise or corporate training day. And I don't know if you've ever been through one of these sorts of exercises. They're called trust exercises. Has anyone been through a trust exercise? Anyone had a bad experience with a trust exercise? If you don't know what a trust exercise is, uh, it's one of these moments where people gather around in a circle and someone stands there and they place their arms across their chest and then they're supposed to fall backwards into the arms of all those people in their team, youth group, church, whatever it might be. Trust, ex- they should ban them. Uh, in fact, if you, want, uh, if, if you want a distraction during the service, just go to YouTube if you're watching and type in uh, trust exercise fails. That'll keep you giggling for the rest <laughs> of the afternoon. They need to ban trust exercises full stop. But if you've done one of those trust exercises, do you ever remember that, remember that feeling when you just go off the back of the heels on the toes? The, the feeling of, of nervousness, that point of no return. And what I want to talk about this morning, last week, it was the bungee jumping and the point that you go from a census to headspace to then jump off and start to move. Today, I want to talk about that terrifying space of when you have jumped off that ledge, when you have moved beyond the point of that centre of gravity and you're off and running. Because we're all going through a trust exercise at the moment, whether they've been banned or not. All of us are going through that at the moment. Some of you are going through a trust exercise when it comes to your career or your workplace or your job at the moment. Some of you are going through a trust exercise when it comes to a particular relationship, either ending a relationship or, more importantly, beginning a relationship. Some of you are going through trust exercises in your business at the moment And you believe that God wants you to be doing some great things and you are on the precipice of whether or not you just caretake or it's moves of courage. What does that feeling feel like for you? I want want you to take yourself to those moments if you're not in it at the moment where you feel right on the edge of your heels (laughs) and you're about to take the plunger. Remember that feeling? The scariestness of that feeling? It's a scary place to be and it's a place of point of no return. It's an either or. We've been talking about faith as a lot of thinking that then leads you to a census or a mental ascent that I'm going to do this. But what we have to understand this morning is that 
Faith takes to that point of no return. It's either or. There's no spectrum at some point, as much as we talk about faith spectrums. You've got to make a decision, and that decision's got to take you there. As a kid, I used to say to my father all the time, I nearly saw a shark once. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly saw a shark. Well, you either did or you didn't. (laughs) I nearly saw a shark. (laughs) I nearly had faith. I nearly had faith because here's the thing. Faith only ever completes itself in commitment. You can do lots of thinking, lots of mental assent, but faith only ever completes itself in commitment. That's why it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And boy, do we know that feeling. (laughs) Don't we know that feeling? Have you ever had that feeling of, well, how can I know? How, how can I know? I, I, I want to I be certain. I want to make sure that, God, you're going to turn up for me or that this thing's going to work out. How can I be certain? And have you found that we live in a world that always wants to live on what I call the front side of certainty? We, all, we live in a world that, that wants to live in the front side of certainty. If I buy the house, will it appreciate in capital value? <laughs> If I make this investment, will it have a good return? If it's a good business idea, will this work? If I commit to this relationship, will I be happy? If I move here, will things work? Now, here's the thing. That's certainty on the front side of commitment. And the bad news is this morning, faith doesn't work that way. We always want front side certainty. Uh, I, I did when I married Kristen, or before I married Kristen. Uh, some of you might know I'm an accountant. And so as all accountants do, when, uh, when I was thinking about asking Kristen, my now wife, to marry me, I actually did uh, a weighted average matrix. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real, Birdsy. I, I did a weighted average matrix where I took all the qualities of Kristen that I loved and didn't quite love, and then uh, accountants, you with me? And then I rated them on a factor out of 10. You know, so she loved God, so that got a 10. Right down to she sort of does a funny thing with the side of her fingers that really frustrates me and annoys me. And that, that got a three, right? <laughs> and so I literally did a weighted average matrix. And it still didn't help me with the decision until there was a wonderful moment with my uncle that we're sitting having coffee and I was telling him all about Kristen. And, and he said to me, Sam, she sounds like she's a gift from God. Treat her that way and you won't have a problem. And it was from there that I made my step of faith. I wanted frontside certainty, and certainly marriage is a great example of wanting frontside certainty. And the bad news is you can't know frontside certainty as much as the world is going to tell you that you can somehow engineer it, or they'll give you consultants, or they'll give you investment analysts. You can't have frontside certainty because faith only completes itself after commitment. Abraham, even though he didn't know where he was going, obeyed and went. And so here's what faith is. Faith is not faith until your thinking leads you to a decision, a census, that ultimately ends in commitment. Trust exercise, back of the hills, pushing over that centre of balance. There's a great line uh, that Jesus says in Mark's Gospel. He says, uh, look at these little children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In other words, he's saying it's easier for kids to get into the kingdom than it is for you. Now, I'll tell you the wrong way to read that particular passage, and I think this is how a lot of people read that passage, is they go, oh, well, uh, it's, it's easy for kids to have faith because they're just gullible and naive. 
And so what Jesus is really saying is when you're an educated adult, it's much harder for you to move back to that gullibility in order to have faith, right? Which is not what Jesus is getting at. Question class, what is the one thing that kids do way better than adults? Sorry? They're blunt. They tell her how it is. They don't question. They ask questions. Absolutely. Here's, here's my one. Here's what I reckon it is. Kids easily shift their locus, their position of trust. Have you noticed that? That kids easily will go from all of their trust upon this point and they will easily shift that across to the other side. And essentially, that's what faith is. Faith is a shifting of the position of your locus of trust. Remember I said at the beginning of the series that this is not Christian versus non-Christian. This is not gullible versus thinking. This is the fact that all of us are locked into, have a locus of trust over a particular point. And the wrestle for us always in these life decisions is to ensure that we shift, like a child, our locus of trust onto God. Does that make sense? Kids shift their locus of trust. Question then, (laughs) what do you think you might be locked into? Come back to that scary faith decision that you might be needing to make about a relationship or career or house or investment or whatever it is. What are you locked into? What, what, What is your locus of trust sat over the top of? What's causing you to hesitate to make that decision? My bet is that you have your locus of trust over something that is other than God. And that's what I want to get to now because it's like, how do you, how do you get faith as commitment? How do you make that commitment? That's what people are saying, Sam. How do you commit to faith? Here's the first thing that Abraham did. Abraham looked inside. In other words, he didn't trust his circumstances. Verse 8 says, Abraham took off not knowing where he went. Or in other words, Abraham went off not caring, not having to stitch up, not having to work out, not trying to line things up. Abraham went off doing what he was doing in obedience, not having to get these things together. Now, does it mean that he was irrational and impulsive? No. Abraham was locked in to a guiding locus of trust that was not grounded in his circumstances. And the principle in this is you can't trust your circumstances. You know that. (laughs) I know that. Anyone with a bit of age and wisdom knows that. You know, what's... Have you ever noticed what's the difference between an 84-year-old and a 24-year-old? I find like 24-year-olds, they spend all their time trying to stitch things up, trying to get life together. If I make this career move, if I go here, if I do this, if I do that, if I engineer this, if I go to this school, if I go here, if I do that. What's an 84-year-old like? Oh, yeah, been there, done that, <laughs> bought the T-shirt. <laughs> And what I love about 84-year-olds and what I love about being in a multi-generational church is you see the wisdom that comes from a person over time who has learnt via the hard way most of the time that you can't trust your circumstances. How many of us through life already have tried to stitch some things up that didn't go the way we wanted it? Don't trust your circumstances. Don't trust your circumstances. Oh, yeah, but it's just that easy, isn't it? <laughs> you know, how do we live our lives? It's... It's like most of us live our lives, and I'm guilty of this as well. Most of us live our lives almost with the circumstantial equivalent that before we make a decision, we are only going to make a decision if we can be guaranteed by God, for example, that when we get in the car, that every traffic light between here and Penrith will be green on the way out there, otherwise I'm not moving. (laughs) 
Have you noticed that's how we think? We want that front side certainty. It's often the way we pray as well. Okay, Lord, I'm about to take the faith step. Okay, I'm about to go. Just make every traffic light green. (laughs) Make it all happen. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. You can't trust your circumstances because the person of faith is someone like Abraham who obeys and commits anyway because faith is only made complete when you are committed. And how did Abraham do it? He obeyed and went. What did that really mean? Abraham went into his circumstances convinced that whatever happens in those circumstances, God would be with him. And so really, it lends the question for you and I, like what decision would we make if we were convinced that regardless of what circumstances are ahead of us, God was with us? How would that change your mindset? That's what it means to look inside. A Christian is someone who looks inside and says, I have a dynamic that regardless of what I do moving forward, I am going to be better for this. Because here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. It's... It's not the circumstances of your life that matter. It's what you bring to those circumstances. How is it that you have people? How is it that we've seen in the last two years through a pandemic that I've seen people, some lose jobs and they lose the plot, others lose jobs and they move on stronger and better. Same circumstances, different people. It's what they've brought to that. And that's the resource that Abraham had. It's the resource that we have, a conviction that God will steward us through life's circumstances, whatever they are. So you look inside. Here's the second one, and I've just got two for you today, so it's all good, 30% off, as I say, two points. <laughs> Not only do you look forward, but we look inside. We see in Abraham that he looked forward. Um, verse 10 and verse 16, it says, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And in verse 16, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. You see, here's the thing. Abraham didn't know where he was going immediately, but he certainly knew where he was going eternally. And that was the difference. Abraham understood that these changes in circumstances weren't necessarily going to go his way, but he knew where he was going in the long run. And that is everything because, as I've constantly say in this place, we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. That our present actions, our courage, our conviction, our willingness to go and take a step of faith is based not on circumstances, but our believed in futures, where we're eventually going. And so when you take your heart out of your circumstances and you focus on the long run, then that's what gives you the conviction to move forward. Hey, do you know how most people die in the surf? We've got any surfers? Tommy Biasetto just left the room, so he's the only other surfer I know. I know Mike down there surfs, right? How do most people die in surfs? Rips. And they, they die in rips because they, they, they get drifted off the sandbank and then they get absolutely terrified that they're drifting and so they start paddling against the stream and they paddle and paddle and they're tired until they can do it no more. Part of the way that we kill ourselves in faith is that we think that we've had faith in God but really we've had faith in a particular agenda and when life's circumstances drift us away from that trajectory by virtue of a life rip. We paddle against it and we desperately fight it and we desperately try to get it until we're exhausted. And ultimately, for some of us, it can be the end of us. We look forward. We look forward and we look forward to the ways in which we are headed to where we are going eternally rather than immediately. Another way that I would put it is that if you had $500 in your pocket today, you walked out of here, you're at home, 
you lost $500 out on the road, how would you react? Now, for some of us, if we're real, there's some of us in this room that would go, oh, that was disappointing, we'll move on. And there's others here that would be devastated. Same amount of money, two totally different reactions, why the difference? It all depends with what you've got in the bank. And for the person that loses 500 bucks that's got heaps in the bank, well, it's disappointing, but I'll move on with it. And the point I'm trying to make is a, as a Christian is someone in faith by looking forward who constantly reminds themselves of what they've got in the bank. By his great mercy, it says in 1 Peter, he has given us a new birth into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. That's the bank account, says the word of God. That's what we're moved towards. And so when we're struck with these lighter losses, as painful as they are in life, for a Christian in light of eternity, eternity it doesn't throw us. We look forward. And so that's how we make that commitment. We either look inward, we obey and we go, not knowing where we're going like Abraham. Or ultimately, the other one is that we look forward. We take this faith step, not knowing where we're going, but saying, if this doesn't work out for us immediately, I know that things are worked out for us eternally. Isn't that the exact principles that we've just heard from Eric's story this morning? I don't know where I'm going. And it could be the most amazing adventure in life. Or it could go really pear-shaped. But you can never know until you go. And that is the wrestle for each and every one of us this morning. I guess I've got to ask you, what faith decision do you need to make that you are hesitating on this morning? Could be a big one, could be a small one, but we've all got faith decisions. We're all starting with a bit of a faith step. (laughs) And what is it going to take for you to move across that line or you like me going to continue to say well I nearly saw a shark once (laughs) I nearly had a big life once I nearly tested God and all of his wonder and obedience once I nearly saw the outpouring of heaven and the amazing things that God could do when I took steps of faith once I nearly did that once as we finish this series a couple of things I hope you would get whether you're at home or in the room here look Faith, faith is never about Christian, non-Christian. Faith is never about thinking or gullible. Faith is never about science or spirituality. We all have faith. The process of faith is the same for a mathematician as it is for a monk. Faith starts with thinking that leads to a decision or a mental assent to say this is the way to go and it only completes itself in commitment. And so the wrestle then for you and I is to understand, well, how can I know? How can I know? Do you want the good news or the bad news as we finish this morning? (laughs) Bad news, bad news first. I'm a bad news type of person. Bad news is you can't know. You can't know. Leonardo DiCaprio said the same thing, by the way, in a movie called Inception. In Inception, he says to this mysterious man, how do I know that you can deliver? The man says to him, you can't, but I can. So, do you want to take a leap of faith or do you want to become an old man filled with regret, waiting to die alone? How can I know? Many of you ask that question not of a mysterious man, but you ask that of God in your life circumstances. How can I know? How can I know that you deliver? And the bad news is you can't until you take that step of faith. You want to know the good news? The good news is, particularly if you're watching online, there's a whole bunch of real-life people in here this morning... (laughs) 
It's why we love doing church together. There's already been a real-life story of someone who's taken a step. There's real-life stories of people, and it's the reason why we gather as a church. It's the reason why we gather in group. The whole bunch of people with real-life stories who have already taken steps of faith, who have already endured these circumstances that would normally take people out, and they've not only survived, but they've moved into a wonder of relationship with God that you couldn't possibly know at the front side of certainty. And so the church is one of the best-kept secrets in the world, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) because where else do you get a place when it comes to faith that you have a whole range of living case studies that are around you who can't wait to tell you their story of the way that God has shown up in their lives? You can't know this side of certainty, because if you did, it wouldn't be faith. And so this morning, as we come to communion, I want to take you back to that space. We've all got them. We've all got them this morning. God wants you to have a big faith. God wants you to have a big faith, not just so you can do big things. God wants you to have a big faith because the size of the faith is inherently linked to our trust in Him. And when we trust Him with a big faith, we get to know Him. We get to experience Him. And that's ultimately what it's all about. The way it is for any parent when they say to a child, trust me. There is a God who wants the best for you. There's a God who wants to be with you. There's a God who wants to call you into a bigger and a better version of how yourself is at the moment. But there's this little line that he can't cross. And he waits for you this morning, by the way. He waits for you this morning with his arms outstretched like this. But it's only you and I are the ones who can at some point, whether you're becoming a Christian for the first time... Or, as a healthy Christian does, they do this each and every time in Sunday worship. They go off the back of their hills and they learn to trust him yet again. And in so doing, discover scarily and anxiously the amazing ways in which the one in which we trust ultimately is faithful. Let's pray. Father God, I lift each and every one of us up to you this morning. For all of these varying moments of anxiety and nervousness, that peace now, church, I want to encourage you to start to use this time and space, whether you're in the room or whether you are watching now. I want you to begin to think upon that thing, that place, that space, that initiative, that movement, that precipice. that faith threshold that you are hesitating on at the moment. And I want you to begin to think upon that and lift it to him as we come to the most precious moment in this service in which we commune with him. Lord, I lift every person to you that we would dare to believe that each of us individually and corporately that right now in this moment we would be taking a step forward in faith be a bunch of children that are shifting their locus of trust it could be people for watching in now have been watching in for three weeks or six weeks or whatever it might be you might be watching in and you might be wondering well how can i trust god how can i know how can i know he'll deliver the thing is you can't but stay with us long enough and you'll see the ways in which he can Father, they're those of us that would call ourselves people of faith and we have retreated and we've moved back into our spaces of comfort. And Lord, I would pray by your Holy Spirit, you would prod us and not us again to move into those deeper levels of trust with you. May we have a holy discontent with our level 
of understanding of who you are and we know the only way that we will stretch that is by stepping out in faith. Whatever that might be this morning, church, will you lift that up to him as we get ready to commune with him now? We pray this, that you would meet with us, Father God, in this moment now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, as we come to a time of communion, what I love about all of this is God never calls us to do anything that he wasn't prepared to do himself. Jesus, Jesus, you know, this wonderful story in the Bible where Jesus in Gethsemane gets down to a rock and he's sweating blood. And he says, Father, I'm about to go to the cross and I've prepared this weighted average matrix. <laughs> and I think that you might be, it didn't work like that. He said, no, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Abraham. Even though Jesus didn't know where he was going in his humanity, he obeyed and he went to the cross. And what I love about that is that God always calls us to do things that he was prepared to do himself. And so in his humanity, Jesus too demonstrated what we're about to do. You can't possibly know how God will deliver in your life. But in a small way, as we tangibly take the bread and the cup this morning, we can remind ourselves, first and foremost, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of God's power and his faithfulness in the world. May you take a small piece of that into your life as you struggle to step forward this morning. And if you're yet to follow Jesus, you don't have to take communion with us this morning. I encourage you in this moment and space to think about what I'm saying this morning. You've already got faith. You've got plenty of faith. It's just your locus of trust is on your bank account or your own strength or your life, whatever it might be. Jesus wants to say to you this morning, hey, in this time of communion, look, just put your faith on me. You don't have to get your life together. You don't have to get your life all good and all the rest of it. Just shift your trust to me. Start following me now and we'll work the rest out when we get there. And right, church, he's, he's working the rest out with us now, myself included. Let's eat, drink, and think of Jesus' obedience that he obeyed and went to a place that he didn't know he would later receive as his inheritance. Let's do that now. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.